the Dateline New Haven. I'm your host, Paul Bass, inviting you to look behind the headlines on the stories that make New Haven tick. And good morning to New Haven Mayor Tony Harp. Mayor Harp is here in the studio for her regular Mayor Monday checkup on what she and we are up to New Haven. You can join the conversation. Best Bet is posting a question on our New Haven Independent Facebook Live page. If you want to be like Bob, you can also call us in at 203-872-7ELM, 203-872-7356. Today's program is made possible. You'll never guess. Goodbye. Thanks in part to support from Bertram Moses PC and from Gateway Community College in downtown New Haven. Thanks, Gateway. Thanks, Bertram. Thanks, Mayor Harp, for coming into the studio. It's great seeing you. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I hope I did. How about you? How, how was your Thanksgiving? It was really good. So what'd you do? You know I was going to ask you this question. How oh, yeah, yeah. I, I um, well, we always have it at uh, my sister-in-law's house. So. In Hamden. No, she's in New Haven on Lake oh, Place. Yeah. Oh, Lake Place, back where we used to live. No. Uh, no, I never lived there, but it's not too far from there. Zero I was on, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So it was oh, really good, day. yeah. Um, it was good. You know, I, um, I'd i never made this before, but I made parsnips. Oh, you know, I've been really getting into those roots vegetables, too. Yeah, they so were really good. Them? You know, I made them like you made uh, mashed potatoes. I just... So you made mashed parsnips? Yeah. And what'd you mix in with them? Um, butter, um whole cream and uh salt and nutmeg how'd it go over the nutmeg's important that makes it thanksgiving so how'd it go over it was good you know i think everybody was they thought they were mashed potatoes at first okay then it has a little (laughs) more of a bite right it's a little spicier than mashed potatoes um you know it has more of a taste it does have a taste but i wouldn't call it a bite so what did people say uh they liked it they were polite or they liked it uh they might have been polite (laughs) they might have really liked it so it's my daughter-in-law surprised me on passover with a vegan matzo ball made of a parsnip oh okay so you had a whole root vegetable soup so it was like you know when i want chicken broth and since then i've been making parsnips that you kind of bite into them in the soup oh how and nice getting yeah. the, the flavor from the other root vegetables i'm kind of a convert to that oh yeah no i think they're really good and you know i may have had them as a child and i didn't like them me either. I never was into the root <laughs> vegetables, but yeah. Yeah, but they, they, they taste pretty good on old t- taste buds. You know? So now what? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So what were you thankful for this Thanksgiving, Mary Tony? Oh, you know, I'm just thankful to be alive. I mean, that's the first thing, right? I'm I'm thankful that our city is, is doing as well as it's doing, that our crime rate is down, that our, um, our school system is doing as well as it's doing in terms of graduating more kids, that we're able to keep kids in school and off our streets i'm grateful that um that you know people are building in our city and that our neighborhoods are sort of looking after one another and keeping um our our neighborhoods clean i'm i'm you know so i'm just grateful for almost everything it's wonderful to be alive it's kind of a nice moment on thanksgiving to realize that the um you you did do something else though on thanksgiving you did not just um (laughs) You did not just uh, go to make parsnips and then watch everyone eat them. You were at the Elm City Bowl at Bowen Field. Yes. Rebuilt Bowen Field. It's so beautiful. Have you it been is there? Quite, oh, my quite a place. goodness. Yeah. It's gorgeous. I was there when those birds were flocking at the 50-yard line every year. Oh, yeah. And their babies. Yeah. <laughs> Even the birds like it, right? <laughs> so uh, th- this year was different. So uh, Cross and Hillhouse have their big game. Right. And everyone kind of gets together beforehand. It's a big, kind of nice communal day. And it was a surprise. Hillhouse went out to, I think, a 20 nothing lead, if I'm not mistaken. 
And Cross kept coming back, kept coming back. One guy ran three touchdowns, and they won 26 to 20 at the end. It was sort of pandemonium. Well, you know, Mrs. Johnson, the principal, said that um, she made a bet with Mr. Worthy and um, and that she would have to come with the Hill House um, sweatshirt on, and she said she's not doing that. She told her team she would not be doing that. And so they better not make her by losing the game. So they must have listened. <laughs> but Hill House kind of was considered the better team, right, over the years? Although uh, they didn't make the finals this year. They win championships and things like that. Well, they do. Uh, but, you know, in talking to some of the people that know, that evidently um, Cross has a really good team this year. All right. Yeah. There was another Thanksgiving story in New Haven, a news story, which mm-hmm. is that we have sanctuary churches in New Haven. Mm-hmm. And you've been a big supporter of that which is that the day that people are told they have to leave, these people who have families in New Haven, been here for decades, never got in trouble, would not have been deported except under the new policy of the Trump administration, which is to deport everybody, not just people who theoretically pose a threat to public safety. And for the second time, someone took refuge in a church this summer, a guy named Marco Antonio Reyes Alvarez. And on Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving, he got a surprise reprieve. They weren't expecting it, and mm-hmm. he's able to go home. Oh, that's great. a big rally on the steps. And then the next day, though, he came back to the church, even though he was free because he wanted to have Thanksgiving with the community, gotten to know so well over three and a half months. So that was a victory. So, you know, they told people you can win. You can. There are a lot of reasons to look at the news and say you can lose, but you can also win. When you think about all of the really wonderful and good things that happen every day that no one ever sees in the news, if we saw those, uh, more good things would happen than bad. We're talking about that actually at Thanksgiving because, um, you know, in the world, the statistic I saw, I don't have this exact, is something like 90% of the world lived in extreme poverty a few decades ago, and now it's down to 10. doesn't mean there's not tons of poverty. And every day we hear about horrible things, authoritarian governments, mass rapes that you just can't believe, and slaughters and genocide. And yet, we're freer around the world, and there's less violence than I think there ever was. And it's hard to keep that in perspective because we're so much better connected that we read all the news. So I've, got, I've started to practice every day in New York Times, which I love to read, to underline one word per headline and read them to my wife. And they have things like, the other day it was like attack, despair, hopeless. <laughs> like, you know, every story is about how horrible the world <clears throat> is. And you're right, it's like man bites dog is a story, dog bites man is not a story. But how do you keep in perspective the fact that overall moving forward, even if under the Trump era we're moving backward in a lot of values folks like say, ha- us have, Tony, you and I, in our lifetime, what we saw happen with gay rights, with civil rights, there's no question the trajectory has been moved forward. Absolutely. And I think that one of the things that that we have to do is to sort of look around us, look at our families, look at our communities, and just to see, you know, we, we know individuals that have sort of moved forward. We know systems that have moved forward. We know, um, we know people that are doing wonderful things on behalf of other people, organizations, not just one or two, but lots of them. And uh, and so we are communities that take care of one another, and and oftentimes we forget it. And yes, there's some outliers out there that um, make us all a, a little bit afraid and, and and concerned. But it's not the majority of humanity. And a real challenge to take care of every day to make a better world. It's just hard to keep the perspective. Yeah. It is. It is because you know you're always seeing the outliers. Yeah. Know? But you're also listening to Mayor Monday and WNHH Radio, your home for community radio, one hundred three point five FM live streamed at newhavenandpen.org. We're talking to Mayor Tony Harp about what's going on in town. So there was a lot of drama last week. A lot of the drama. The big drama of the week was the <laughs> final chapter of hiring a new school superintendent yeah. and a 4-3 vote, which is not always a good sign when a board is that divided. A 4-3 vote went for Carol Burks. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of people protesting that night. It ended with the board chair 
challenging another board member to a duel. I mean, I, I, I wonder what century he thought we were in. <laughs> I was wondering about the, how the duel would take place. I know. What were the instruments of choice? Would it be fisticuffs or would it be swords? <laughs> it's quite a scene. You know, like, it's like 6,500 people just watched the whole meeting on our Facebook Live video. People were very interested in this. Hundreds of people showed up, very passionate, yeah. very engaged, which is a good thing. When I have days when people clobber us at the independent for they feel we don't do our job well enough after feeling bad about it, I think, thank God they care. Mm -hmm. Would you want to trade that for anything? But we were watching the videos, and there you were sitting next to these two grown men <laughs> as pandemonium is breaking out. The threats happen. They get close to each other. The meeting abruptly stops. Thad Reddish, retired New Haven cop, who's head of security, escorts out the chairman, Ed Joyner. What were you thinking at that moment when that was all going on? You know, everything was happening so fast that in all honesty, um, I was just kind of amazed. <laughs> and the next thing I know is that my security was saying, you know, you, you, you really need to get out of here. And so, uh, and the meeting had been uh, adjourned. And so, and so I left, but you know, I, I guess I didn't see it. Um, I didn't see it maybe in the same way that other people saw it. I didn't think they were really going to go to fist the cuffs. Right. I didn't. See, I think I, they I just. It, I didn't feel that way either. Yeah. I think they just needed in their own way to get some things off their chest. You know, there's been a lot of tension over over the months that we've been trying to find a superintendent, and this was the culmination. There was a lot of tension, and I believe this is the way that it erupted. I know that some people are embarrassed that it it erupted in that way, but. Um, no one was really hurt. You know, I think some feelings might have been hurt on both sides. But um, so I guess I didn't really see it in the way that some other people had seen it. You know, it's interesting that the uh, members of the town committee for New Haven um, had a platform um, position that said that the mayor should not be president of the Board of Education. The Democratic Town Committee had that? Uh, yeah, they had that on their their one of their on their platform. I don't know if it actually passed. And so, you know, I've decided that my role is to be a member on the board. You know, a lot of people are saying that I should have somehow intervened in that dispute, and I, I really think that that was more of a role for a sergeant of arms, which we don't have yet, and that Thad Reddish, as the security officer, probably did the right thing. But, you know, you can't have it always. You can't say, gee, the mayor shouldn't should only sit on the board and not be involved. And then to be angry because the mayor didn't intervene. And and uh, that's what I'm getting a lot of, unfortunately. Well, actually, I hadn't heard that one that much. But what I did hear is that Ed Joyner, who was the person who threatened the duel and was being baited, just to be honest, by Darnell oh, yeah, they've been fighting was. forever, you know. He issued, I thought it was quite a good apology the next day. I really read complete. It. Mm -hmm. He said this was completely wrong. Some people thought he should resign. You said you throw kids out of school for less. He said, you know, this was terrible. I'm not going to do that anymore. I lost in terms of whom I wanted to have be the superintendent. Now I'm going to work with the superintendent to make things work well. Right. I thought, I don't know what you thought about that. I thought no, that I thought was, that was, that was, that the was right appropriate. Absolutely. And, you know, maybe I'm thinking it's going to herald a good era on the board, Ed. I think it will. You know, honestly, in all honesty, we all want the same things. Yeah. And it's just a question of how we get there. We have Bob on the line. One thing I just wanted to ask you was, um, so tonight the board is going to be taking up the issue again, I guess, about the terms of the contract. There's a parents group who sent around a letter this weekend. Mm. I, I alerted Larissa's that said that according to the bylaws, that vote was not legitimate because the bylaws say you need five votes for a superintendent, only four voted. 
and that you can't vote by phone. Is that your sense of what it says or what you Well, you know, I think that one of the things, and we had this, for people who were paying attention, we kind of had this discussion around quorum when uh, we were trying to figure out what quorum really was because the bylaws have not been adjusted to reflect the new charter changes. Oh. And so we did vote to um, make a, a change so that it would, it would be four if it related to what the numbers were. So you guys um, actually already voted on this that you needed four. For well, you know, I think that we haven't really done the bylaw changes, but we did vote that we needed four um, so that it would comport in the same way that um, the five um, would have had we had nine members on our board. Gotcha. Okay, Bob. Well, you know, I welcome think we to uh, Bob. Really if you could turn your radio down, you're on the air with Mayor Tony Harp. For, um, yeah, I so actually don't have my radio. Oh, I don't know why we're hearing oh, the but, feedback. But, the five, um, but it sounded like real have, official old time radio when we asked the listener <laughs> to put the the volume gotcha. down. Okay, Bob. Okay, Bob. <laughs> got a little, this is this is getting a little to a ninth dimension here. Oh, okay, Harry's figured it out. So, Bob, what's your question for Mayor Harp? Sure, I have a couple, but I want to follow up on um, the school board meeting. Um, I think I saw you there. Were you, were you there, Bob? Yes. yes, I was there, Mayor. Yeah, I think I saw Bob's you. Bob's a little yeah. bit like Zelig. <laughs> you do see Bob everywhere, All right. including posing with yeah, Mayor Hart yeah, the Independence sometimes. Getting around uh, these days. But um, make a long story short, uh, at the board meeting, um, kind of was surprised at the actions of a couple of the board members. Uh, in particular, Ed Joyner and, and Darnell Goldson. Mm -hmm. And let me ask you, could you have, I, I guess, suspended them for their actions, even though they publicly apologized? No, I really could not, because both of those members are elected by the people of the districts that they represent. You're also not the president of the board. And I'm not the president of Ed the board. Ed Joyner is the president of the board. Ed Joyner So is. Ed Joyner could suspend uh -huh. Darnell. I guess he could, or he could, you know, I honestly, I don't know what his, his powers are at this particular okay. point in time, you, you because feel, they're both elected. And, and, and I don't mean to cut you off. Do you feel that um, you and the members of the school board, uh, your ears went deaf uh, at what the audience was saying and who they actually wanted for for superintendent of schools? Well, you know, I don't think that it's a popularity contest, and I think that I have said that time and time again. Um, you know, we interviewed people for, you know, uh, I, I was saying about 22 hours, and, and, and others uh, have, have said it was over 30 hours. And, you know, we have more information to make a decision than some of the people that were, were in the audience had, and some of the people that have really strong opinions that was based upon one public um, introduction to these candidates. And so, um, so I absolutely don't believe that the Board of Education should defer to a crowd. You know, a lot of the people who, who contacted me were really upset about um, Dr. Burks being on the um, 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 Board of achievement, of achievement First. And, you know, one of the things that the former mayor did was to make it a, a, a part of the general statutes that someone from the Board of Education be on these boards. And we have members, members of our board are on those boards, too. And I don't hear the same outcry. But the other thing is that there are over 2,000 parents 
in New Haven who I'm responsible to as mayor who have children in charter schools. And so I know that people feel strongly about that. I know there's some educators who feel that they are taking money that ought to go to New Haven students. And there are some parents on the other side who feel just the opposite. But those are the things that are should be dealt with in the General Assembly because those are where those decisions are made, not at the New Haven Board of Education. And yeah, maybe there were a hundred parents, maybe a thousand people signed a petition, but there are twenty two thousand parents in the in the in the system, or at least twenty thousand. And so it's a small majority. It's really not a popularity contest. It's who we believe will do the best job on behalf of all of the students in New Haven Public Schools. And I think the other two charter issues they raised that New Haven would have control over are there was a proposal by Reverend Kimber to have a charter school for boys, and there was previously an effort to um, have a charter school partnership with Achievement First. So there are some decisions. Well, there are, but those are board decisions, not superintendent decisions. And if you think about what happened when... They were proposed, proposed, excuse me, by the former superintendent. Uh, they went down decidedly. And um, so uh, one of the things that I tried to point out to them is that all of those decisions are made by someone other than the superintendent. All right. Bob, did you have any other questions? I have one follow-up question to actually it's a read-through question from last week. Uh, you spoke about it. And I was watching a television program, Face the State, yesterday, Uh and Mayor, your name came up as a possible candidate for lieutenant governor. Um, Once again, would you accept that if Joe Gannum uh, was the nominee for the Democratic Party? You know, I think it's really interesting that everybody thinks that Joe Gannum should have me as a running mate, but not me have Joe Gannum as a running mate. Well, he's a a man. Well, maybe that's it. And you're a woman. We don't say so Ganim. I mean, let's just be honest here. Most people do not feel he could be a credible general election candidate. He went to jail for corruption. He came back out. He's never really said he's sorry. To think that in a year when Democrats are so unpopular in all the polls, when even frontrunners like Nancy Wyman feel they can't run, to think Joe Ganim's going to win a general election is really magical thinking, even though he appears to have the inside track in the Democratic nomination at this point, given the urban town committees. But I just thought I'd throw that in there. Well, and I think that, okay. yeah, the, yeah. I think Hold right. on a minute, but but would you be <laughs> lieutenant governor for any of the Democratic candidates? Uh, you know, point? I really love being mayor. I really do. And I know there's some that would like to relieve me of that position. But <laughs> I would like to uh, spend the next two years trying to work with New Haveners to prove to the world that we're the greatest small city in America. Hey, thanks a lot. Uh, thanks a lot. Bob. Okay, thank you. Have a great day. And I want to follow up Bob's question, Mayor Harp. By pretending, this is one of those innocent questions a reporter asks when they've really heard something, but they don't want you to know that. <laughs> so I'm going to try to trick you into answering something I don't want, that you might not want to answer. Okay. Ready? Yeah, you always do that, Paul. Okay. No, no, no. I don't know. I can tell you first. Okay. So, so you, you know, do that too. <laughs> so, you know, have you, you heard the name Oz Griebel? I have, yeah. And the guy, what does he know? Was he from, was he Hartford or Bridgeport business leader? I thought he that was. That I actually don't know. Hartford, Hartford? Oh, but he's okay. sort of like the guys who used to like Paul Tsongas or Ross Perot, sort of like, you know, business guy knows how to straighten out everything. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I have heard talk about him running as an independent for governor. Ned Lamont, a former governor candidate, is part of the group trying to put that together. Have you heard any of those whisperings? I'm asking this innocently as though I haven't heard anything. I have actually heard that there are a lot of really unusual combinations that 
people are talking about. Um, there's this guy down in Stanford, too, who's a Republican that might want to get a, a, a Democratic running mate. I don't know. But, yeah, I, I had heard, you know, like some people thought that there might be time for an independent. So he'd run third party, the idea. Yeah. And then I heard that there were very serious talks about he would need running for lieutenant governor someone like Tony Hart. <laughs> I really did hear that. You did? I hear that oh. that was like very seriously oh, part really? of their conversations. Oh, well, that's So that's why I was going to instantly say, hey, have you heard anything about that? Because <laughs> they haven't contacted you about that? Because they're like calling people up with that name. Really? They're saying Oz Griebel and Tony Harp is a third-party ticket. That's interesting. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so it didn't work. I didn't get to fool you to tell me something you didn't want to say. But would you ever run as third-party, or do you feel too loyal to the Democrats? You know, I've, I've been a Democrat all my life, and um, I, I, don't, I don't see that. I think that New Haven's prominence is the fact that it is a strong, a democratic stronghold. And I, I wouldn't want to do anything to erode that. Yeah, so you remember the historical presence on that. Uh, last week, we lost Bruce Morris. Yeah. Former state senator, a really active, he's the kind of person that, you know, the younger generation obviously never heard of, unless they know, I guess it's his son who's a state legislator, if I'm not mistaken, same name. Yep. But uh, Bruce Morris was a central figure in New Haven politics in the middle of the 20th century. He debated Malcolm X oh, in a school in New Haven. And he came up through the ranks, and he was a state senator. He ran, if I'm not mistaken, as lieutenant. No, he didn't run as lieutenant governor at Low Wiker. He became the public works, yeah, the um, chief of the whole state under independent governor mm -hmm. Low Wiker, and he endorsed Low Wiker. And he was an example of someone who was a very loyal New Haven Democrat. Then became a Brantford Democrat <laughs> when he moved out to the shoreline. Mm -hmm. No, but a very successful guy who did see there was a moment when a third party made sense. Yeah, well, I, 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 it has happened, and you know, honestly, I think that uh, that we were well suited to have um, Lowell Weicker as our governor at that particular point in time. I remember that in 1990. I felt so bad. Bruce Morris was the Democratic candidate that year, and before he ran for governor, he was from New Haven. He was a very popular congressman, and he before he ran, he played tennis with Lowell Weicker because they were both in Congress. He was in Senate mm -hmm. Weicker and. And what Morrison said, I'm going to run for governor, but only if you're definitely not going to run for governor, because Lowell Weicker was, even though he was a Republican, he was very liberal. And um, the liberals in Connecticut were never going to forget how he helped lead the charge for Richard Nixon's resignation. And Weicker said, I'm definitely not running for governor. So Morrison throws his hat in. It was already going to be a tough race. John Rowling was running too. And then Weicker runs and all the Democrats and liberals go to Weicker. Morrison barely got 20%. If he hadn't gotten 20%, Democrats were going to have to petition for every line, for every office for four years. Wow. That's amazing. But they are, there's the sense that next year might be a third-party candidate year. Interesting. I, I hadn't heard that. So yeah. the question is, how many times on Mayor Monday are you going to be asked that question from now until <laughs> next year? You could come with a tape if you want. You just uh, have a recording, like when we ask you, because I'll probably ask you, Bob will ask you, other people will ask you, you can just say, wait a second, Paul, let me press number three. You press number three <laughs> on your phone, you say, I want to make New Haven a great city for two years. <laughs> But you are hearing it live on Mayor Monday at WNHH Radio, your home for community radio at 103.5 FM, live to newhaveninfant.org. Actually, I think it's a flattering question. Mayors have gotten in the past. I remember Ben Delito getting it. Yeah. It's not an insult to ask you if you're running for Oh, uh, no, I don't think so. I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm really thrilled. Joel Calloway writes in, he does not agree with you. He says, of course, it's not about popularity for superintendent, but it felt dirty to him. And uh, that's just, uh, Joel Calloway writes that in. Okay. Tom Breen writes in, did the Board of Aldermen approve, Alders approve the mayor's proposed $10,000 pay raise last week? I believe it got sent to committee. 
It's it a did. process. Mm-hmm. It's a process. So uh, I'm guessing it's going to pass, but I don't know. It's oh, I don't, I'm not certain. Okay. <laughs> you haven't taken out, like, you haven't, like, put a down payment on a new hibachi or anything? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about the state update now. Last week when we talked, um, this new state budget gets passed finally after more than 100 days late. So then you find out we're getting cuts. And then there has to be an emergency session because they're already $200 million yeah. in deficit for the new budget, which by law means they have to go back and make more cuts. I was trying to understand this chart in the Connecticut Mirror of whether we're cut by many million or not, or whether we came out whole in the end or barely whole. What's the latest read you have on the state budget what we're going to have to do in New Haven? Well, we're still, well, you know, it looks like we've, we're down by about a little over $7 million. Is that mostly schools? Um, no, that's not mostly schools. What is it mostly? It's, uh, it's mostly our, our, um, it's mostly general government. Just general aid, like pilot? Yeah. So what are we going to do about that 7 million? You asked me that last week. We're working on some strategies. My, um, um, controller and budget director are working on, um, on some strategies. One of the things that we'll probably continue to do is to, um, only hire um, public safety folks. Um, so you're not going to see a lot of people being hired. We are probably going to slow down our contracting as well um, until we absolutely figure out the direction that we're going to go in. Um, so so that's pretty much where we are, where, where we've been. And actually, I, I got some information. We are lucky. We're not going to have any snow this winter. Well, that'll be helpful. So that's going to help you out about it. Even though I feel bad for those big machines he bought and the guys who get to run them. We'll let him do it next next winter. Okay. Well, as long as they hold off until next winter, we're in good shape. Some other news last week is that Audubon Square. So we often hear about development projects take a long time to build because it's, you know, even even if you're not in a city, but especially in a city, there are a lot of rules mm-hmm. that have to get through. Sometimes you get competitors that don't have to invest in their property, so they go to court to slow down projects, things like that. There's a project moving very fast, and it's called Audubon Square. And it's on, uh, it's on a block that's now a parking lot. Right. It used to be the New Haven Register building. It, before that, I guess it used to be mini streets because it's called a super block. It was made into one big block around State Street and Grove and Orange and Audubon so that it could be buildable. And I have not seen a project that big because it's 269 apartments and it's going to be a lot of stores and a garage in the middle of the block. I haven't seen a project that big have so little debate people just liked it they said this is what we want in a city we want a denser city the audubon arts district's a real home run in new haven and this kind of extends mm-hmm. it one more block and um and you know there's a little thing in there about making sure people can park who are parking there from the phone company and last week they said they're ready to go in the ground in january again it's not going to snow so that's going to help <laughs> and um any any thoughts on that there's going to be a speed table as well that meaning that's traffic calming because and that's tough that and mm-hmm. it's a good tough, it's a good problem to have. I love, anytime I'm in a traffic jam and I have to wait seven minutes, I always think Tony Harp saying, people in New Haven, they don't go really, I go to Atlanta, you wait two hours in traffic. <laughs> I mean, we don't have traffic, traffic. I feel bad, you know, you're five minutes late, but this isn't really traffic. But that is one of those corners. Orange Street is narrow there. A lot of buses go through with educational sandy arts. They're putting the speed table to try to slow down some of the other traffic there. No, I think the one thing, I think it was a hit run by the developer um, it's in a part of the city that is currently, as, as you point out, a parking lot across the street from front. Surface parking lot. Yeah. Surface parking lot. Which, which is, we know. think of lowest possible use for yeah. something in the middle of a city. And so they're going to have, you know, like parking. They're going to make sure that we have as much parking in the building. It's going to be designed to 
uh, take that into consideration. And then there's going to be a continuation of the retail that cur- uh, currently occurs on Audubon Street. So, And then you're going to have more density there so that that will be helpful to Audubon, to Whitney Avenue in that area, and to whatever the new stores are. So it's, it is a, a win-win. Because I, I think Audubon Square, I mean, Audubon Street, even though it went bankrupt, the original developer, and then Knights of Columbus bought, and I believe in Yale, those apartments, condos are very successful. It's sometimes mm-hmm. been a challenge with the storefronts. But you have some stuff that's very successful, like Coffee Question Mark, the uh, coffee house that was a real anchor of that place. And you have a lot of people there, Educational Center, the Arts, the condos, the uh, the whole New Haven Foundation, well, Community Foundation, excuse me, um, art space and mm-hmm. arts council, all that building right there. So now if you're going to send in, you're going to have 269 more families living a block away. I guess that maybe that'll be a tipping point for retail. That's always the question here. Nine square took a lot of years to catch up with retail. And I think that, that we'll see that, it, that it will. And, um, I'm really excited about it. And I, I think it'll be the kind of retail that people really enjoy because it'll, it'll be experiential. You know, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of boutiques there, uh, so I'm I'm excited about that. The um, now you, I'm going to ask you to put on a little bit your pl- city planner hat. You were I believe it was School of Architects. You studied city plan at Yale. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Paul. But what about <laughs> the de- tell me about the design? What did you think about the design of this project? I think if they, if not mistaken, they it's going to be a brick look that's supposed to evoke our industrial past. There we used to have a foundry on Audubon right. Street. And it's I it, it it's it's sort of like um, as I recall the way that it looked. It looked like if fits right into that neighborhood so that it, it's not anything that um, you would say, oh, you know, like, why would they build a building like that there? And so, yes, you see a lot of brick, you see a lot of glass. Um, I think it's going to be beautiful. I'm very partial to brick in general, and especially fitting in there when you talk about the beautiful former synagogue and church, this educational center for the arts, and talking mm-hmm. about the old foundry and the way they built the, across the street, the condos. I, I think that'll be a nice fit. I think so. And then oh, we talked about retail. So, you know, retail's not dead, local retail. You know, independent bookstores are doing great in the mm-hmm. age of Amazon. I think people are looking for authenticity. We had this whole period for 20 or more years where we tried to imitate the suburbs and try to build strip mall stores and stuff. And then we said, that's not what's going to succeed in New Haven. People come for distinctive New Haven. So now you're going to have retail in this new area. And we have the stopping season now. You have Small Business Saturday this weekend. Right. You, you make a point of going shopping in New Haven and bringing reporters along. I'm sorry we missed you last Wednesday because we do like to go along in Westville. To say you can buy local, there are a lot of things you can buy in New Haven. There's a lot of retail that's alive here. What? What? Tell me a little more about that. What's your favorite thing to buy in New Haven at this time of year? And What did you see when you went in Westville last week? You know, I, I have adult children, so I love the boutiques that they have. I, um, I went to Rags and I bought a sweater. Oops, I'm not supposed to say. <laughs> But at any rate, uh, I went to Rags. Um, the um, and I and I love Idiom. It's a it's a really wonderful store. And the owner is the president of the Yale Properties uh, Retail Association. Okay. And you know, there's this really cool new place. One of the things that that um, I recently learned how to do was to um, dye silk using um, um, paper. Um, dyed paper and um and i went to the it's called the craftsman artists uh it's right there on lower chapel lower chapel yeah and uh it's artists and craftsmen yeah it's it's and it's owned by employees who work there see i thought it was built by the guy in new hampshire i guess it's always employee owned but had the same developer yeah yeah and so i i went there and i got some of that tissue paper the dyed tissue paper that is a great store there's a lot in there (laughs) 
there's a lot in there and and you know i looked online i couldn't find that dyed tissue paper really? oh wow and so i asked and, and you know we were there doing um 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 what is it the the saturday promotion a small small, small business, business saturday. saturday and um and i said do you have this dye paper and they they absolutely had it so now i'm ready i'm just waiting for my silk scarves to come so i can dive oh yeah now where'd you order the silk scarves huh well, I did order them online. It's okay. I yeah. mean, like, the idea is not that local retail is supposed to lie by having people not buy things the most convenient way that they want. The idea is to have local retail be something that isn't the same as going online. You have an experience in person. It's local people. You have serendipity. It's nice. You know, almost every store has some little munchy thing you can go in and eat. And uh, I love the lot of studio place in, in Westville. They have a whole artist studios upstairs, but you also buy things. But it's also mm -hmm. right, right on the corner there of Blake and Whaley in the village and yeah. lots going on there. I went to Odeon too in, mm -hmm. um, in uh, the village and did a little shopping. I can't tell you what now. I just, just talk too much when I talk to you, Paul. Well, I know, no, you got to <laughs> spill it. I'm going to ask an innocent question like, and then have you spill it. What'd you buy? Yeah. <laughs> or is it a surprise gift for a family member? Oh yeah, right. I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> Eric James says, Rags, two exclamation points, best store in New Haven. It's a great store. <laughs> I've never been in Rags all these oh, yeah, years. I'm a terrible consumer, don't you? I just don't like buying stuff. Well, that's a good, actually, I wish Except I had Edge more of, of that. I love going to Edge of the Woods. <laughs> yeah. We had two different views come in on your discussion about the schools, and thank you, everybody, for writing in. Um, Martina Casanova-Bias did not agree with the process. She said it was delayed for students, parents, and community input, but voted on without enough input. Anjur Hardy writes in, as a parent in Hartford, who directly worked with Dr. Burks, that's our new superintendent, on the SGC of my daughter's high school, student governing committee, maybe? Maybe so, yeah. Or oh, I thought she's a parent. Mm -hmm. I can attest firsthand what a valuable asset New Haven is receiving in Dr. Burks. She makes time to meet with parents and students to hear all of their concerns. She went out of her way to make sure my concerns and other parents' concerns were put to ease and followed up for, for resolution. She's without a doubt a force to be reckoned with and will do an amazing job in her new position. Many here in Hartford will be wishing her in New Haven and wishing her well. Two exclamation points. And that's what I got when I talked to Ed Joyner, the, the board chair, last week after that whole unfortunate episode. Mm -hmm. He said, we're really moving on now. Yeah, and, you know, we had good. a competition where, and it's a shame, Darnell Gelson mentioned it's a shame that Dr. Carl Burks was personally, when you have these very passionate arguments which i think to some extent it's good to have what do people stand for what do they want as you said a lot of it was based on what was sort of one beauty contest campaign style forum <laughs> but now it's over and it's unfortunate that one woman's reputation was tarred even down mm -hmm. to what she does in her personal life and everything like that mm -hmm. and i think there's a feeling now that we're going to move on and give the woman a chance and welcome her to new haven and even if you honestly had disagreements, she said last week in a statement that she's going to work with people who didn't agree with her. Mm -hmm. Her door is going to be open. So we'll, we'll give her the benefit of the doubt and try to make things work for the city. And, and you know, the really good thing about all of this is that people did get to make their thoughts known. And, you know, one of the things that I learned early on in the General Assembly is that, you know, even when you often get your thoughts known in it, it's helpful to do that. You don't always get the votes. And it's unfortunate, but, you know, like that's the case. I remember when I was, and I, and I think I was right to this day, that um, I didn't want to reduce the amount of time on our um, AF, what was AFDC uh, to 18 months. I, I fought it. Uh, I got up and I went against my caucus 
and uh, I lost. <laughs> and so then, then what do you do? You know, you try to make sure that whatever it is that did win that work that people wanted actually works for people. And I think that's what, what I'm going to ask the teachers and the parents who are on the other side. Let's work together and educate our kids. Let's show them we can do that in an urban district to a greater extent than any other urban district in Connecticut and, frankly, in the United States has done. We're off to a good start even before we decide, decided to hire this lady. But if we all work together, we can make this work on behalf of urban kids. No one else has been able to do it. Let's stop fighting and focus on getting the kids educated. One example about education, like this was an important lesson in education, important to be involved in the process, speak up, do petitions, speak. Another important lesson in civics is that you don't always win. Yeah. And that what do you do when you don't win? And I think we're going to look to Ed Joyner to set that example. He's taking that on. He said, I'm going to show you what you do when you move on and try to have a, have a, um, so I think there's a good moment for him. And you know, the other thing that people don't recognize, and this is one of the things that I learned too when I was in the General Assembly, having been on the losing side of many things, people have heard you and you've had influence even if you don't win. All right. And somebody else who had influence is the people trying to rebuild Church Street South. You had influence, legal aid and influence. We cleared the place out of unlivable conditions. I guess there are a few people left. It's all coming down and we want to rebuild it. Mm-hmm. And to rebuild Tracy South, we want to get help, a $30 million grant from a federal program from Housing and Urban Development called Choice. It's very hard to get those grants. Right. Last year we applied, we did not get it, which I think is amazing that HUD, for so many years, sent $3 million in rental subsidies to a developer who was putting people in unlivable conditions and it wasn't fixed up, and their own inspections by HUD were saying that they were very well maintained until one day they said, oh no, they're unlivable. Yeah. You'd think they'd give us $30 million to rebuilding it. Anyway, last week, the Housing Authority which wants, is going to be involved in rebuilding it, approved at a board vote to apply again. Mm-hmm. But they've altered the plan. Right. They said we're going to include the Robert T. Wolf Apartments, which is a senior and disabled facility right next to it, across from the train station. They're going to rebuild those together. Any thoughts on that? Does that increase our chances? Does it make it a better plan? We think that it makes it a better plan, and we think that it does increase our chances and the fact that we're partnering with the housing authority, we think as well um, on that uh, makes it um, a better plan and makes us more competitive. And I'm with you, Paul. I was shocked that they would have been complicit in (laughs) and not given us the money to fix it, but they, they have another chance. All right. We're going to give them a chance to do the right thing. The Ninth Square also, the Housing Authority is one of several groups who want to buy that from McCormick Barron. McCormick Barron's the developer in the 80s. When Actually, you weren't on the board yet. I was. I was. When that was approved? Oh, yeah. yeah, When it was finally approved. And I would argue that's one of the most successful projects we've seen in a city where we (laughs) rebuilt this completely dead part of downtown. Ninth Mm -hmm. Square is one of the original nine squares laid out off the green, right near where the Coliseum was. And that got rebuilt with hundreds of apartments, livable scale. They don't go too high. And with at least 40% of them affordable, meaning that they're subsidized. Right. And you don't really, maybe you know if you're in the buildings, I'm told. But when you're walking around, you really don't know who's subsidized, who's not. It's actually a very desirable downtown living space. People with a lot of money want to live there. And people don't have a lot of money living there. And a lot of people on the streets. It took a while for retail to catch up. But there are all sorts of nice restaurants and retail there. But the developer can't pay the debt on it, right? Mm-hmm. So he's looking to sell it and having debt forgiven. And a lot of people want to take it over. The, the housing authority wants to be one of the people to build there. And they're, 
they're putting a bid in and they want to um, keep more of it subsidized. What's your take on what should happen? Well, I think it's really important for New Haven to keep the subsidy rates at the current rates. Um, you know, we've gotten a lot of criticism about the market level apartments that are coming into the city and don't need our help. Well, this particular project needed our help. It needed the state's help. It needed Yale's help. It had federal help. And so there is an obligation in my mind to make sure that it remains at its current affordability level. Now, who's the decision? Is it going to be Chaffa because they hold the debt? Or who is it? Well, I think it will be Chaffa and the overall developer. I'm sorry, that Chaffa's they Connected Housing Finance Administration. Yeah, right. And what McCormick Bound, the developer from St. Louis, they've been having some real legal trouble in other cities as well. They're looking for a bailout here, aren't they? Well, I think that they would like at least not to have the debt, if not a bailout. Mm-hmm. And, and, your, what and do you, what's your take on that? Uh, you know, I think that we, we want to make sure that the development is in good hands and that it, it gets a fresh new start. But when you walk there, you can't believe what a cool place Nice Square is. It is cool. Just and on that know, one block? I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, and I would argue that it was the success of that project that actually helped to build downtown and make it as attractive for other oh, developers. Definitely. And it's a real neighborhood. People can be living there. And mm-hmm. on that one block on Crown Air, Cafe 9, which is my favorite place, has this great shows every night. Mm-hmm. You have um the... um. Firehouse, which is for what's the number? Firehouse, I forgot uh, the number. But anyway, they they have cutting edge jazz. That's really sort of like what you only can get in New York, where they mm-hmm. record and have the shows there once a week. They have a great Italian restaurant. They have Marco Polo Pizza with vegan pizza. They have kind of the whole gamut there, just on that one block. Right. It's a great place. It's it's really nice. You know, I I I'm I think we should be very proud of that, and it really shows when you invest at least initially when you have sort of like a, a desert in your city, that um, even though it doesn't work long term, it does work to build the city. And upscaling doesn't have to mean gentrification. It doesn't have to mean only wealthy people. Uh, and, it, and, and in that case, I mean, it, to say it 40%. didn't. So now this week, you're just going to have a hearing on whether to have a moratorium on um, conversions of SROs, of which there aren't mm-hmm. that many at the moment, but also how we get more affordable housing downtown, which is getting harder in other parts right. of downtown, especially when you don't control the property, mm-hmm. because that's what that's the market talking. And um, there's also going to be a hearing on a 10-year homeless plan, both on the same night at City Hall. Any thoughts of where we're going with that? Well, you know, I think that there's real concern among our residents um, who work in New Haven and that they'd like to be able to live in New Haven and have affordable units. I met with a group of people last week who expressed the difficulty of finding affordable apartments throughout our town, and especially downtown. And so um, I'm, I'm sure we're going to hear from more and more people about how difficult it is. You know, our vacancy rate is low. It's It's been low since I've been here for the past, you know, 40-some-odd years. But it's even with the new building, it's still very low. And so um, it makes it tough to have affordable affordable units. And so um, it's incumbent upon us as government, Board of Alders, to come up with a way and plans to assure that people um, can live here affordably. All right. Now this week, one of your new signature programs you're looking for in your next turn is called LEAD. Mm -hmm. It's a law enforcement community initiative that looks at problems like prostitution, like nonviolent drug abuse, abusers, and trying to get them not going to jail, but working with community people to straighten out their lives. It's been done in Seattle, um, but they have to sign up for the program. You, you're, you're rolling it out next week, I believe, or this week even, as a pilot in the Hill and downtown, you've hired someone from the community to work with police and work with the population. 
No, we are. We're really excited about this program. It was something that the Obama administration reached out to New Haven and asked us to take a look at participating in this program. Of course, they didn't give us any money, but um, we they did ask us to do it. And when once we saw what was going on in Seattle and in Albany, uh, it's been very successful in uh, not sending low-level... Um, Nonviolent. Dr- nonviolent drug users into our prison system, which really honestly makes uh, makes it worse for, for them. It doesn't and, help them, doesn't help us. It doesn't help them, doesn't help us. And so um, so we've been working for the past, I don't know, maybe four or five months with the state's attorney's office, with our police force, with our community services administrator, Martha Okafor, and folks to develop this program. We're really excited about it. All right. Well, I hope the hope that it's a big success in New Haven. I do too. <laughs> and that we get more to be thankful for next time we talk about all the things we have to be thankful for. I'm thankful that you joined us today, Mayor Harp, again on Mayor Monday, and that all the listeners. I'm thankful to Bertram Moses, PC, and Gateway Community College providing financial support for today's program. We're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic experience performing I Wish I Knew How It Feel to Be Free from the CD Plea for Peace. This is Paul Bass reminding us all that we do know what it's like to feel, be free. We just have to book our flight. Book your flight and fly free with us all day and all night long here at WNHH, New Haven's home for community radio.